A Walk Among the Stars, The Monsters, The Paranormal, and Supernatural. Join your tour guides, Justin and Josh, on this cryptic journey through life and beyond. What you may not know is you've been on this journey for a long time, and you finally arrived. Join us and our cult by subscribing to this podcast and giving us a generous five-star rating. With doing so, your soul will be set and the afterlife defined. Welcome to It's Cryptic Out There. Alongside with me, Josh, my co-host. Hello, everybody. You don't have a catchphrase today? I thought about one over here, but I just... None really spoke to me. Nothing clicked. Nothing clicked, really, really, yeah. I mean, we had a whole week. Off, yeah, we had a break, yeah. And then I just forgot about it. I forgot I even did that. <laughs> yeah. So, it never came together. <laughs> right. So, today was kind of like a... Uh, kind of like a quick idea. Uh, we planned this just a few days ago. But we have our favorite guest on this podcast, Andy Wilburn. He's in studio today, and there's a certain topic that we're going to discuss that's very, very bizarre. I guess viewer discretion advised. Yeah, trigger warning know. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, erotica asphyxiation, is that right? Is that how you say Auto-erotic it? Autoerotic asphyxiation. Okay. It was hard for me to pronounce that. <laughs> English major. Hey. Yeah. So, and, Andy, um, you you mentioned, you brought it up, that you're very familiar with, I guess, people doing it, or you, you know stories about it. Um, could you elaborate on, like, what exactly it is and why people do it? Yeah, so autoerotica asphyxiation is self-asphyxiation for sexual pleasure right that's the best way to describe it and um i've had the opportunity i use that term loosely yeah um so I, I became familiar with it uh doing some of the death cases that i've worked through the years and um those cases get hidden a lot um while we while we work a suicide or an accidental death, you will come upon a situation that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And it's, anytime you you have somebody that has um, died by any type of hanging, any, anything that's around their neck, uh, I like the old Gil Grissom term: "Does the scene make sense?" Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, as investigators, we'll find scenes that don't make sense. Right. And a lot of the the uh, the deaths, the autoerotica deaths, they do role playing as part of the process. So, the 
I'll tell you how it started. It started back in the 17th century when um, hanging was the punishment uh, mm-hmm. for death. And they, the people that were stationed below the gallows uh, noticed that uh, when the victim would fall below the gallows right before they died, uh, they noticed that the, the males would be aroused. Mm. They, they would see an erection. I guess they didn't have the best underwear <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> Clear enough. Just some didn't cloth. Didn't have a spandex rolling hanging, back then. Hanging the jimmy out, right? Right. <laughs> the jimmy. And so that's when it really started. It's like, oh, so, you know, putting something around your neck right before you die gives you uh, an arousal. Mm-hmm. And that's what started it. And it has been around since then. Uh, there are people... Um, famous that have died it's uh there are doctors and lawyers and you know the case studies are out there where people uh it is not a it is not a target of of any type of class or race or culture or anything Mm -hmm. it's there it's everywhere and it and it's funny because you'll and i say funny because you'll if if you dig during one of those you know you come the family will find this person and oftentimes they'll be dressed up in a way that they would normally not dress mm-hmm. like some of the videos that that i've got to see uh there was this one guy that dressed in his wife's clothing her panties and pantyhose and a dress and mm-hmm. but they do that and they video it and they go through this process and they a lot of times will use some kind of ladder or some kind of step and there's always they rig the rope to where there's a release that will let the knot loose right before they're getting ready to black out mm-hmm. they die because they miss that release a lot of times it's a screwdriver a tool mm-hmm. or the edge of the rope and you can see them swing for that and miss it and then they black out. Yeah. And it's it's a terrible way to die. Of course, they black out. But when you watch the body hang there and the body struggle to find air, it's pretty traumatic to watch. Yeah. It's pretty bizarre. Wow. I'm a big, uh, you know, mixed martial arts fan. I actually trained it. Josh has trained it. Uh, I never been put to sleep in a submission or whatever, but there was some. There's some fights in like in the UFC where they hold the choke too long, mm-hmm. and it is kind of disturbing oh, just yeah. to see him already out and it's still you know choking him. The one that always sticks out to me is the guy who's getting choked out. Maybe it's is it Connor and Diaz where his arms just kind of are reaching as he's getting choked out. It's some guy. Yeah, and just to see like that. Like you're just trying to do whatever, mm-hmm. to Try, whatever, yeah, whatever you possibly over. can, getting right. this, in. and it just, slows uh, down. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he's losing that oxygen, mm-hmm. and he's going out. And yeah, yeah, until he's done. And that's that's the only, I guess that's the closest thing I've seen with like someone getting you know almost choked to death, mm-hmm. not necessarily like getting off on doing that and then an accidental, you know, suicide. Yeah, it's. It's sad anyway because a, a lot of people of various ages, unfortunately, some young people try that. Yeah. 
and they'll do it, you know, they'll try to sit down or lean against a corner where they're close to the ground thinking right. that they'll be able to get out of the, the, the hold, you know, with a belt or a rope or a sheet or a cloth or something thinking, you know, I'm so close to the ground. All I got to do is take the weight off. Do you have like a particular age that's most common in that? Like for like a young adult or a teen or? Unfortunately, teenagers try it when they hear about it because they'll try anything. Yeah. I mean, if you've seen TikTok. Yeah. They'll try anything. Yeah. But, you know, we've watched a video of a guy that was a doctor and this is one of the strangest um, videos that I think I've ever seen who managed to put a rope all the way around his body, even his arms, mm-hmm. so tight to where it, it it cut off the the air to his chest, but he could barely breathe. And his erotic fantasy that he was playing out was for somebody to see him. So he videoed himself. <laughs> this is real. Yeah. Everything I'm telling you is real. Yeah. It's just, it gets so bizarre. He videoed himself from his uh, front door going to his mailbox like that. Jesus. In his underwear, asphyxiated with his arms around his chest. During broad daylight? In the early morning. Wow. And wow. he would stop when a car was coming. But this dude was basically nude with this rope around him in this upper-class neighborhood. But the part of the fantasy was for somebody to, get, to catch him. <laughs> that was part of the erotic and part he, of that. he died of? He eventually died because that's how we got the videos. Jeez. So I went... The reason I... And, it, and you know, I didn't work these cases. I went to a sexual deviance course taught by uh, a guy that became a really good friend of mine, mm-hmm. a profiler for state police, who was a Kansas City uh, homicide investigator for a long time. Wow. And I, he eventually gave me those videos for because I taught death investigation all over the state, and I taught at Radford, too. And I've, I was very um, picky who I showed those type videos to. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, but there was another one the guy told you about that dressed up in his wife's clothing. Yeah. Uh, she found him dead. God. And the investigators, uh, he told me he got there. And uh, she didn't know that the video was rolling. So he had hidden the camera. Hmm. And so she had dressed him. In I was about to ask. I was clothes. like, "Oh, I was about to ask. Was she aware that he was into that kind of stuff?" No, okay. no clue whatsoever, and was so embarrassed that she redressed him hmm. and cut him down, and was just like, "What in the hell is yeah. this?" Yeah. And then came to her senses, like, "I can't." I can't call 911 with him and my freaking panties. Right, right. (laughs) So put clothes on him, hit everything, and just like he killed himself. Was that one recorded? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, because that would have looked bad on her. Well, they would have had it all on the investigators found it all. 
Yeah. And it gets it gets weird when the insurance is involved because a lot of those policies won't pay for suicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but these are considered or they're ruled accidental because they don't mean to kill themselves. Yeah. 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 They what they want to do is go through that process, get the release, and they'll watch that video later and masturbate to it. God. That's the goal yeah. Yeah. of all of that. There was a guy, and this guy was he was out. Side, <laughs> and he he was at a barn or something like that. No, it wasn't a barn. He was outside somehow, and there was a ladder involved. And he dressed up as a cowboy, and he was smoking. And he was walking around. He was smoking. He had boots on. Had a, had a hat on. He said, "What's bizarre about this one is he did not like cowboys." He did not smoke, but this was part of his fantasy mm. during the de- the sexual deviant stuff was to play the dress up of a cowboy. Like there was no, he hid all this stuff yeah. from his family. The cowboy had because they'd been like, what what is this stuff, yeah. dude? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. almost comical, but it's not funny that obviously right. they they die. But just scenarios of like like that in particular, I'm gonna keep that a secret. You know, it's just. Like dressing up as the thing you hate, doing something you don't enjoy. Right. Like, are you just maybe viewing it as embarrassing to yourself, and you can? You it's like a, it's a, maybe a power trip. You like to watch that humiliate, humiliation. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe you can't have, you don't have someone who would humiliate you like that. Yeah. So yeah. you just humiliate yourself, and then, like you said, you can go back and watch it later mm-hmm. and be like, "Wow, yeah, I'm such a, you know." sick beating or whatever you know yeah, yeah. just looking at yourself like that you know that's what and, I and I've I've worked people that have hung themselves that and those some of those are bizarre I, bizarre. I, I worked this 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 guy was 24 I called him Little E because he was a huge Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan okay so went into his apartment posters everywhere you yeah. know this dude is um he had tied the rope right above his bed and stood up and just um, took the weight of just kind of, I guess, kneeled down and hung himself and died. All he had to do was stand up. Wow. Did he want to die? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, he was so determined. I don't know how you have that willpower. No. How do you not, how do you suppress that urge just to put your feet down on the bed and stand up? I would. Because his knees were almost touching the bed. You would think the willingness to die has to be more than to stay alive. Exactly. To fight through the body's natural reaction to want yep. to live. I mean, you're having to choke yourself out to the point where you'll continue to hang until you it's die. It's so agonizing and... yeah. Just to fight through that, just to get. Well, I'm sure as the more we talk about suicides and stuff, but it's just one of those things where it's just like, why would anyone, you know, what gets them into that position, or to choose something like that where you are torturing mm-hmm. yourself to death, you know? You're like, so determined. Yeah, or yeah. people like you know, throw a toaster in a bathtub with you and electrocute mm-hmm. yourself, like oh, stuff like that. It's like, man, that is yeah. so incredibly painful, you know. Yeah. But when you think of someone who may overdose or something. You're like, okay, well, you were completely unconscious and then just died yeah. or whatever. And I always try to spend, you know, when when I worked any of those cases, I always try to spend time in there. 
alone with them in that position thinking the steps they went through. Does it all make sense? Because you want to make sure there's no foul play. And you look for notes. You look for text messages. You look for what traumatic event did they go through. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, and then I hear this ruckus outside. And I walk outside. <laughs> this dude's mom's out there fighting the officers to get in. And I walk outside, and I, she's like, is he dead? And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I knew it. I knew it. I said, how did you know? She said, there was something in his voice that he was going to do it. I said, well, tell me what's been going on. Just lost his girlfriend. Just lost his job. The two main things that people commit suicide for. Yeah. And she said, there was something. She said, as soon as I hung up the phone with him, I came over here. I knew he was going to do it. And she said, there's nothing I could do. And I was like, dang. Had another one. There was uh, two gay guys living together. And one of them was, the guy that killed himself was a school teacher. Wow. A school teacher. So they got in this spat back and forth. And one of them left. And, uh, you know, it was very verbal. No violence or anything like that. And I said, uh, to talk about one of them moving out. So it must have been, you know, pretty serious what they were talking about. And so I go in, I'm walking around, and the, one of the dog is on insulin. So in, in the kitchen, I find a full needle full of insulin. Jeez. So I'm like, okay, that was option one. And on the couch, I can see where on the carpet below the couch, there's blood stains. So I look at his wrist and he's cut his wrist, but it's not bleeding fast enough. Mm. So then he goes in like a, a room about like this, that it really wasn't a, it's more like a storage room. And he busted out a ceiling tile and hung himself from the rafter. Climbed up on, he climbed up on a, it was a table or something. And again, just lowered himself down uh, yeah, wow. lowered himself down. And it was, to me, one of the most bizarre things was his glasses were still on his face. God. And I just, like, I'll never forget that, that one image. Detail. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. detail. It's like, yeah. Yeah. he just, because, and he wanted the boyfriend to find him because he pulled his vehicle around back and hit it. He wanted him to find him. Because he knew, because if he came back and the vehicle's up front, he may not stop. Yeah, yeah. So he hid the vehicle, so he found him. He wow. had to find him. That, that's such a that's a cold man power that's trip. That's like brutal. I'm kill myself, and, and I'm gonna make yeah you to make you deal because with all the trauma. we fought, and that's the last thing you're gonna see. That's gonna make, make him feel guilty. Yeah, that's make him feel guilty. That's crazy. I'm gonna be honest. Fault. I feel wheezy listening to all yeah, this. That, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm having a hard time right now. <laughs> God, I mean that's just. Vindictive. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine just being like, "I'll get, I'll just kill myself to get back at you for this fight." You know, that's like, the ultimate guilt trip. Yeah, that's, God, that's crazy. So, in that instance, did you find like a note, or did you just take it as they fought and he killed himself? A, a rough note, uh, you know, basically saying it's your fault. Mm. You know, instead of moving out, I thought this would be the easiest way. 
Wow. I know. Wow. Instead of moving out. Instead of moving I out. Mean, my God. My gosh. And you could you could see the, the thought process. Insulin, yeah. I don't know if that'll kill me. You cut my wrist, but it hurt probably, so didn't do it deep enough. Mm-hmm. Not bleeding out. God, I have a problem with like wrist cutting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gosh. Like I have a tattoo on my wrist and that was one of the most difficult things to get through is and then just just hearing somebody doing that oh, yeah. just gets me upset. Oh, dude, you're talking about cutting the wrist. When I worked at Tech, <sighs> so I worked two years at Tech PD. Yeah. We got a call of a guy that had attempted suicide. He was he was in the shower at one of the dorms, and he took a knife, and he cut all the way up his arm. 37 staples. We got there. There was so much blood. I'm like, there's no way this kid's going to live. There's no freaking way. Y'all going to see me pass out. <laughs> well, at least you're in that chair. I mean, it was it was filleted open yeah, yeah. when we got there. Yeah. And so we got there. I, I went in first to try and make it safe. And, mm-hmm. and of course, the knife's laying there. His dude's passed out. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Blood everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we wrap him up and just go, yeah, go, go, get go. Out of there. My God. At least you saved him. 37 staples. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. he's gonna have a wicked scar. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, doing that all the way up mm. your arm. I don't even know how I'd get to like just just the I know. first. I know. I'd be like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just, like, this hurts be too way. bad. I feel like I'd pass out from the pain. Oh yeah. Before I'd ever even get deep enough to start I, bleeding. I used to be on Accutane. I had really bad back knee and uh, on my chest. This was like in seventh grade or whatever. And this is when Accutane was. That, that medication was like popping or whatever, but I think got rid of it because it caused people to commit suicide. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I would have to prick my finger every time for like to get the medication or whatever. Mm. And I would pass out just by a prick of the finger. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Man. So like every time I get a new tattoo or whatever, I make sure I got to eat a shit ton. Yeah, yeah. And then have like a soda or something while I'm getting the tattoo. Wow, wow, <laughs> man, that's a process for you. You must be yeah. pretty motivated though. You <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I love tattoos, but yeah. huh. well, that's the thing. You're doing what you can to get them. Yeah. <laughs> Go through and do whatever you do. You but... sure you wouldn't like just a sticker book or something? Just get him tattoos every week. I got this misfit tattoo, and when he was getting right there in the, the corner, I started you know fading out. And he's like, oh, shit. I was like, I'm about to pass out. He's like, oh, shit. So he turns, and he, it's just like a sugar pill. It looks like a Tums. And he's like, take this, and it just brought me back to life. Nice. <laughs> yeah. he, he experienced that before, hadn't he? He knew what to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He had it in his drawer. He's like, yep, there you go. Yeah. When I was getting the uh, alien abducting Sasquatch on the second <laughs> session, he was sitting there, and he was just digging just to get that shading in, to get deep enough so yeah. it wouldn't have to keep getting back over. And I remember sitting there. And just feeling like I was gonna throw up because I'd already been there for six and a half hours yeah. of just this, <clears throat> just this digging. Yeah. And I looked at him. And I was like, I have to stop. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I just, I need to walk outside. I need to get out of here because if I take much more of this, mm-hmm. I'm gonna die. <laughs> I was like, I'm not gonna be able to make it out. Of here. I'm sure you've passed out before, right? You never passed out before Mm-mm. at all. Well, it's like a. You get tunnel vision. Oh, and yeah. You just see darkness going around, and it's a numbing, a numbing feeling, and then a ringing sound, and that's when it's just like, I need. I was doing <laughs> yoga one time, and I hadn't eaten anything, and I got up from a position and stood up, and I was just like, man, something doesn't feel right, and I immediately fell down on the couch, 
and kind of just like at the last second was like, <gasps> yeah. what happened? And just ate some like crackers real quick and was like, okay, wow. When I got when I passed out on Accutane, it was hilarious because I, I was seventh grade or whatever. My brother was with me and my mom. Well, when I came to and woke up, for whatever reason, I was just like, where am I? <laughs> and my brother was like, God, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I'm I'm a little sensitive to all that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and think about some of these people, like just what you can't go through, but mm-hmm. what they went through to. Were you talking about the the gay couple? Like, just imagine how awful that whole time he's just trying to kill himself with different type of things. Oh, that's just. And this thing, I'm worrying about this other dude showing back up. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sure he was like, "I got to get this done. I got to get this done." Yeah. Because what happens if you get caught in the act or whatever? Oh yeah. Then it's a whole. You've lost that whole like vindictive or revenge, I guess. Yeah. You've lost the whole revenge aspect of killing yourself at that point. Yeah. But that person obviously had to have some deeply emotional issues. No doubt. To have to, I guess everyone to want to kill yourself. But was a great school teacher. Hmm. Yeah. In, in Pulaski County, was a, wow. said he was a great, very popular school teacher. Hmm. I'm just like, I had a, another gay couple that um, one was um, very masculine, into guns. Mm-hmm. One was very, very feminine. Uh, so they're complete opposites. And we go, and the guy's got a gunshot wound to the chest. Uh, the guy that's a gun guy and masculine, you know, he's got some tattoos and stuff. and we go and you know we they they put the other kid in the back bedroom and he's he's tore all the hell I mean, he's just uh, can't console him can't calm him down can't anything and i go in and uh you know i'm looking i, I want to see i see if i can figure out how far away the gun was to his chest so i'm that's what i want to know Cause if it's if it's obvious that, because the story he tells is that the guy had been to the gun range, and came back, and they started drinking. Shock. Yeah. Somebody dies every drinking. Ever been to the gun range, and <laughs> they get in this argument, and the guy's like, um, the real feminine guy, and I'm not making fun of him, but yeah. he's like, I just kill myself. And the guy's like, no, I'll just kill myself. And he puts the gun to his chest and pulls the trigger, thinking it's unloaded. Oh, man, this was accidental. Right. But he had left one in the chamber. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's going to be pretty easy to figure out if that story's true or not. Yeah. So I peel back his shirt and look, and it's obviously a contact gunshot wound. So the story makes sense Mm -hmm. so far. And so, this guy, I'm like, first of all, guys, why didn't you take him out instead of further into the scene? Yeah. So, at some point, we got to get him out. And, you know, when you're talking to this kid, um, I really wanted to find somebody to calm him down. So... I say this the right way. We had a we had an officer that went both ways, mm-hmm. and so he was the perfect guy to talk to him. So he got him in there, calmed him down, and 
was able to get the whole story. Um, everything was exactly where we thought, uh, where he said it was. Uh, the holster. Where was the holster at? What? Where was the alcohol at? Um, and so those little details, um, finding them out right after the event was crucial because if not, you know, that's one of those you'd never be able to prove if the guy stuck to the story, if he really yeah. did it, you know. Yeah. But the guy, the guy was so feminine. I mean, I'd be surprised if he could really go through with killing somebody. Yeah. But still, mm-hmm. I mean, it was one of those scenes that was just... You think about it, though. Some people, you know, will surprise you. I mean, look at how many, like, major murders that have happened where it's just been, like, a woman, very small woman. And it could have been an act. Yeah. Could have been a total act. Yeah, yeah. You know, we didn't know. We never met these people yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I was wondering, you know, when you go into a situation like that, it's obviously very high intensity and stuff like that. You know, I kind of hate to say that you're lucky to have had all these experience to go in. And I mean, I couldn't imagine going up to somebody with a gunshot wound to their chest and just pulling them part their shirt and being like oh okay yeah. you know I would probably pass out before I even <laughs> open the door exactly you know just not being able to do that so when you get in there do you guys just kind of do you talk to all the officers there just get a read of it and then do you try to go in there just completely unbiased about the situation not kind of forming an opinion and just being like what's the like you said you go in there spend as much time what's kind of like what's that process like yeah so what we really want, what, what we teach our first responders to do on the death scene. Now, if it's somebody that needs medical attention, do what you got to do. Tear the scene up, but don't care. Mm-hmm. Somebody's dead, do the absolute minimum because we're looking for trace evidence. We're looking for the fingerprints. We're looking for that hair, that fiber, you know, anything. So I want them to take the same route out that they took in. I want you to clear it. I want you to get that guy out, not further in my scene. Yeah, yeah. And I want you to get the heck out and stay out till I get there. I want you to shut it down completely. Yeah. My process was always, if there's a death, I get a search warrant. I don't care if it's, uh, you're in the house, you're dead, you're the only one that lives there, search warrant. Because then I don't, I don't have to worry about it later. Yeah. And there's a case, I'll tell you, we'll talk about Bob Shell a little bit, that okay. another bizarre yeah, yeah, yeah. sex case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the reason why anytime after that, it was always search warrant. So that's a process. So then, while we're interviewing this guy, which can be going on while we're getting the search warrant, if he's cooperative, then we can, we can do a slow, uh, deliberate work our way in from the front door. We can do what's called oblique lighting where we're looking for footprints, we're looking for hair and fiber as we go in. And we don't automatically get, everybody's like, oh. And the young guys would go, well, we gotta get the body out of here. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. we don't. We work our way to the body. Man, body ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere until yeah. I say it goes. Yeah. Well, the medical examiner really is yeah. the one that determines when the body leaves. But it is a long and slow process and- It's like a puzzle before you get to like- It is. Completion, I guess, the body. Yeah, yeah, and if the body's back here, it it may take us an hour to get from there all the way to here. Yeah, 
because there may be a shell casing, there may be the holster, we may find the liquor bottle, you know, we may find all this other stuff. But it's so easy to get distracted by all the other things that go on during that scene. I'm literally sitting here thinking like, man, I can imagine, say, I just, it's just somebody who lived alone and now you're having to go through the entire house to try to figure out, oh, I see that there's a half drink on the kitchen counter. Where did they go from there? Were they in the basement, came upstairs, and then just having to... Before you even get to the body, like Before you're just you to trying body. to figure out how or, they even get to where they're at. That's, or there could be, you know, you're trying to observe something right here, but next somebody's, you know, brain's blown out. So yeah. the distra- distraction's probably yeah, difficult, just, I'm sure. Because I couldn't imagine that it gets, I don't know, it, does it get easier almost to process as you go from situation to situation? Because I'm sure, like you said, with the guy who killed himself in his glasses i'm sure that is maybe easier to deal with than someone who has uh you know shot themselves in the head with a shotgun or, or something like that you know well it's the details that you learn to look for like having his glasses on told me that there wasn't a struggle mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. to me that was key that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah okay. yeah yeah so because you always wonder you know does it does it make sense does what we're seeing make sense with what we're being told, or what the the nine one one call is, or whatever. Yeah, we had a guy with, one time. Um, he was found dead. We go the long story. Uh, I will skip because he ended up having a heart attack watching porn on his computer. Jesus, lotion in oh, his hand, his face down. Oh man. But it was a slow process yeah. to uh, be able to get the search warrant, even turn him over to see if there was any wounds. Mm-hmm. Was there a stab wound? Is uh, Did he overdose? Was he choked? You know, there's, it is such, and you want to go in and you want to say, I got to roll him over. I got I to see what's on the other side. I got to see if he's been beat up. You know like what a I mean? previous yeah. injury or something like that. Yeah, yeah. you can't. Yeah. Because then you ruin, you can't put a piece of evidence back. So if you ruin that opportunity to discover that evidence in, uh, you know, you've got to do it in a certain order or you're screwed. Because if we end up going to court, the experts know what the order is supposed to be. Yeah. And if you don't do it in that order, then you lose the case. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And Bob Shell was one he was the famous photographer Uh, now i read you you sent me that a while back and i read a little bit about it but i wanted to wait to like do an episode on it but it kind of other ones came in the way but like if you want to like explain what i'll have yeah i would love to hear it yeah i'll do a quick summary of it and if we want to do an episode fine yeah we got a call one night from bob saying that his 19 year old model had overdosed and he's 56 world-renowned photographer uh editor of uh photography magazine consultant for canon cameras wow um wow where's this where's this studio at? downtown Radford. oh was, wow back in early 2000s right yeah 2004 is wow. when it's okay happened. yeah wow so we get there and we find this beautiful young girl uh, her name's marion and she's in this like cat suit crotchless cat suit mm-hmm. laying on the bed um, and EMS gets there and uh, 
they roll her over. She is obviously dead. She's real dead. Uh, They turn her over and uh, urine comes out and the urine is cold. My wonderful rescue squad takes her to the emergency room anyway. Afterward, we have a long conversation after the fact, several days later. She's not, she's part of my crime scene. Yeah. But they remove her. They said, we refuse to believe that this beautiful young girl was dead. So mm-hmm. I guess they thought they were going to play Jesus Christ. Raise her. And raise her from the dead yeah. at the emergency room. Yeah, because when you say that she was real dead, like, what's the, where, what do you know without going up and checking a pulse for you? Like, okay, this is dead. Rick and Mortis had not set in, but her skin was cold, and her, if her urine's cold, her core is cold. Oh, okay. okay, okay. So that's what I mean by real dead. All right, all right, yeah. yeah. And yeah, if the blood starts to settle, uh, that's lividity. So if the blood is starting to settle at the bo- lowest points of the oh, body. Okay, okay. Does blood get darker as the longer it sits? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. but it coagulates at the lowest point. Of the body. So, like, if you were laying on your back, it all. It's all gonna be in the back and your butt and bottom underneath your legs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So gone. Now I don't have a crime scene. I just have this old man, Mm -hmm. and he starts telling me they'd done a photo shoot with um, two professional bondage people from Seattle. He flew them out. That they wanted. She wanted to go into the bondage porn. She wanted to be a bondage porn star, Mm -hmm. and that he had taken photos. Long story short. He had given her hospice-grade liquid morphine that night. What? How did he get that? His mom died of cancer. Okay. Oh, he had like leftovers. He saved it. Oh man. He he also gave her uh, thirty Xanaxes. Oh my god. That she took. That she was a drug user. I was gonna say she's gonna be. That was her favorite. Yeah. (laughs) You you actually cannot you cannot overdose on on those. On either morphine or just the Xanaxis. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. They'll mess you up, but apparently, according to the medical examiner, that mm-hmm. wouldn't have killed her by herself. Okay. But she had 17 times the lethal limit of morphine in her. That, that is what really killed her. Yeah. That is yeah. insane. After she was dead, he had anal sex with her. Oh, man. And took pictures along the way. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So his story didn't add up. He was totally cooperative. Search whatever you want to. Bob, I'm gonna look at your computer. Sure. Uh, Bob, uh, so you took some pictures. Is there a compact flash card from your camera? Yep, it's in my pocket. Here you go. I took a picture of him handing it to me. Is there a videotape? Video ran the whole time? Yep. I took a picture, for some reason, I took a picture of him ejecting the tape. We had probably 15 motions in court to suppress that evidence, saying that I legally, illegally took it from him. Wow. Because I didn't get a search warrant because he was so cooperative. Oh, man. Jesus. Yeah. Now, we won those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we had to go through all that crap because I didn't do a search warrant. He was just so cooperative. So I'm looking on his computer, and Bob's walking around, and the... My boss is, uh, has taken him to the police department. Bob, it's okay if I stick around. Do anything you want. I have nothing to hide. I'm looking on his computer. I find um, April 11th incident. 
April 11th, done the same thing. Uh, he had given her 17 tablets of amitriptyline, and she passed out. He what said, is that? It's a sleep medication. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So he had got all this medication in his name and given it to her. Oh, man. And so he's made, a veteran at doing stuff like this. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just for her, though, it seemed like. Yeah. So April 11th, he had got with the same girl and oh, done okay, the same, same thing. Girl. Okay. Same girl. And okay. then June is when she died wow. from the morphine. Wow. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And so I got the photo shoot from April where she looks the same way, dude. She's eyes roll back in her head. So she was unaware of it happening the first time? So he sends her an email that I end up getting. Yeah. And uh, I went ahead with the photo shoot, even though you passed out. You moaned and groaned. I didn't know what you were saying. Uh, but there's pictures of him grabbing her butt, grabbing her boobs, and stuff like that. She doesn't really respond. Uh, it's because she had moved from Boone, North Carolina. He was supplying her drugs. Mm. She just went with it. Yeah. So that night in June, uh, he had flown these people in to teach him because he'd been trying to tie her up. She kept falling, hurting herself. Mm. So these are recognized experts in the industry that he flew in to teach him how to tie her up. Well, I'm sure you can't when you're... 17 times the morphine or all these sleeping pills and you probably are just dead weight you know there's some sick people yeah you would not believe the photos the man took so I got sued in a federal court by him before the case even started because I put a picture of her on my case file notebook and he saw it and he said those are copyrighted protected as soon as I take my pictures it was just a headshot of her yeah because I did that for all the victims that mm-hmm. you know this is this is for them yeah, yeah. and so <laughs> Judge Conrad I'll never forget uh, heard the motion and he's like so you want to sue because he has a picture of the victim of a homicide case on his notebook <laughs> yes they're protected uh, case dismissed Good luck, detective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thrown out. What's disturbing to me is that in the June incident, that's literally necrophilia pictures yeah. that he took. Oh, yeah. You know, and it may, it kind of makes me wonder if that's giving her that sleeping medication and basically having her as an unconscious body. Was he trying to live out some necrophilic fantasy? Mm-hmm. So, you know? I interview this dude after all this. Uh, I get. I get warrants on him pretty quick, and I interview him, and I'm, and I'm like, so there's these two pictures. <laughs> You're going to love this. Oh, I wish I'd have brought them. Oh, God. <laughs> They're time-stamped, okay? They're time-stamped photos, uh, 10 minutes apart, and they're of her butt. This one has her butthole closed. This one, it's gapped open, 10 minutes apart. Wow. I'm like, Bob, what happened between these two photos? Oh, we had anal sex. How did you have anal sex if she was passed out? Well, before she passed out, she told me that I could have anal sex with her. So she pre-consented 
for you to stick your penis up her butt when she was passed out. Yeah. She was expecting to be passed out while That's his story. Okay. That's right. so convenient. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, how come four minutes later you dialed 911 that she wasn't breathing? Mm. <laughs> well, I realized then that she was in trouble. <laughs> well, what made you realize that? Well, she wasn't responding to me anymore. <laughs> this is this is so sick. <laughs> My God. So that went to a jury trial. I spent 10 hours on the stand in this trial. 10 hours? 10 hours on the stand. My God. Dude, there were videos that they shot out in the woods of her sticking things inside her. That poor girl thought that she was going to be rich and famous because some of them are. Some of them yeah. are good money. She probably thought this was her big break. And I he, mean, this guy's a legitimate photographer. I mean, why wouldn't you think that you would... She stuck a rifle in her. She stuck oh beads in her. Oh. She stuck the end of a plunger in her. Oh! And she kept saying, Now, Bob, do we need to do this? No, I'll edit that out. He didn't edit a single thing. Had no intention to. None. Wow. But the reason we showed those videos in court, because towards the end, how much longer... Till I can get some Xanax, or how much longer till I can get a pain pill? How much longer till okay to prove that that was really the relationship? Yeah, I mean, he you talk about her, sexual deviance. This yeah, dude made her dependent. She was dependent. That is crazy. Admitted is to crazy. me that he couldn't give her cash because she would go buy drugs, so he had to go pay her light bill and her electric oh. bill and her rent and oh, everything. Man. Oh man! And he only got like. 17 years or what? something. The jury said, you know, he's an old man. They only convicted him of involuntary manslaughter. Wait a second. So is he, would he still be in prison? I'm trying to think. 17 years. Yeah, but he's, he's not much longer. Yeah. I mean, that would have been in like 2004. So right? it right. took four years to take him to trial. Wow. Okay. Wow, so not even until 2008. Man, so he'd have been 60 years old when he went. Yeah, wild, wild wow. case, man. So he'll be 77, I guess, when he gets yeah. out? Man. Bizarre. He has a, somebody has a website that I sent you. Yeah. Somebody maintains a website for him that he's innocent. Part of, part of the trial was that instead of me going to bed at 2 a.m. when we wrapped up the crime scene is that I stayed up and manually changed the timestamps on all 600 photos that were taken that day and then was at the autopsy at 8 o'clock the next morning <laughs> that I decided that night that I was going to frame Bob Shell for, for all this. That was wow. the most bizarre. Wow. And that's somebody on a power trip. He you must be a... They get away with anything. Yeah, <laughs> but he's kind of smart in a way doing all that. Well... It kind of makes you wonder, like, or I guess it all sounds premeditated in a way of getting this poor girl addicted to drugs, being able to, and maybe he did accidentally kill her, but come on, you can't be giving people oh, yeah, he didn't mean doses of medication and not, not expect right. something like that to happen. I mean, 
That's yeah. that's insane. Yeah, he didn't mean to kill her because she was doing everything he wanted. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But, but yeah. I think that's the only time he had sex with her. Really? I think he saw the opportunity, yeah. Did you learn anything about his past that maybe made him like that? No, and he had done nude photography a lot. I think he just fell for this girl. Mm. And just maybe in the back of his mind, he felt like she was attracted to him. And, you know, I think she was so dependent on the drugs, it's hard to tell what she told him, you know. Yeah, you want to see my John? Here you go. Yeah. Can I, well, can I, mean, I have some pills? I was going to say, the stuff that she was doing, that's something, I mean what a drug someone addicted to drugs would do go yeah. through go to any lengths to be able to get your fix you know? yeah do you think being involved in like pornography like that for so long could mess up with your brain like that real that's a real violent form too if you think about it yeah. just the stuff that they were doing very aggressive and it was her idea to go into the bondage stuff because he had done the Playboy style stuff right. is what he had done. And the idiot, while while we were waiting to take him to trial, published a book overseas <laughs> under a pseudonym of Robert Lee, The Art of Rope. Wow. Which I have a copy of. I should bring it for you so you okay. can look at it. And it's a collection of his, and she's in the book. And so we <laughs> presented that as an exhibit that he's... Even though he's been charged with her murder, he's still trying to make money off her. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Man, Why girl. hasn't this been like a like a Netflix documentary yeah, or something? That's crazy. How, how do you how do you do it and not show the pictures? That is true. Yeah. Well, I mean, with some of the Netflix documentaries that are out there, I'm yeah. surprised yeah. they'd probably go to any lengths to get some of them. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the Night Stalker with Richard Ramirez, they were showing pictures of his murder scenes and just doing like the scribbles on yeah. her eyes and stuff because. I remember one of the pictures there was when he had raped that 80 year old Asian woman and then killed both her and her husband. Were they in bed? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember that. A picture of that. Yeah, I was, I was shocked when they when they showed that. Well, it's just getting more shocking. It's cryptic out here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, going back to the teenagers getting involved with, you know, dark stuff like this, do you think them watching pornography? Well, I'm, I'm sure that plays a factor into it. I, I feel like maybe it's just a person-to-person thing. Maybe not everyone's going to be as affected because, yeah. you know, I've never done... Like, exactly. I've, or I've never been pulled or have thought like, oh, I need to do autoerotic asphyxiation yeah. to please myself, you know? But obviously there are some people who are, and I guess just if you have that mindset, maybe watching it on a video or... Kind of like how we were talking about with TikTok and stuff, if there's a TikTok trend. One thing that I thought was very interesting when you were talking about in the 17th, 17th century and the guys getting around and it just spreading across the gallows, it's like the gallows was TikTok, man. They were it like, was. let's go home and That's a good point. try this out. Man, and it just kept going yeah. and going until we get the to trend. where we're at now. You know, it's just all Let me land. do it better than this guy. Well, yeah. it became a thing of you're getting hanged for your crimes to. I'm sure that now you go on Amazon and maybe find some specialized equipment or something where yeah, like that fetish is now popularized. Yeah, there's a, a nickname for it. For and I don't even want to say what it is because mm-hmm. you know I don't want young people. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's right. a nickname for it. Yeah, don't. But, but do we've it. all heard yes. of women being choked during sex. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. part of that. But that's a you know 
a relationship thing where they trust each other. Yeah. And they they always have a safe word or a tap out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is just completely next level. I'll just do it my damn self kind of thing. Yeah. I'm just like. Yeah. There's got, there's got to be a better way. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> you know? I, I don't understand how you could get to that stage in your mind wanting to do like that. hyping yourself up for that yeah you know just getting into that yeah. mindset so this guy this <laughs> the profiler the other thing that there's so much sexual deviance out there that people go next level they had a case where they recovered a trooper and i don't even know if it was virginia but he had the video a trooper pulled over a guy and found a video camera rolling in his truck and they seized it for some reason and the guy was riding down the road screwing a live chicken in the truck oh my god yeah I I remember what it was they arrested him because he was on the side of the road having sex with a dead deer so they seized his truck and found the, the famous chicken video Law enforcement, a lot of law enforcement around here, investigators have seen the chicken video. You ask one of them, any detectives, if they've seen the, if they've taken a sex crimes class, if they've seen the chicken video, that's how they got the chicken video. This guy they was played in the class? In sex crimes classes. Wow. To show how people deviance in yeah. their mind. How, how screwed up they are. How screwed up they are. Yeah. But, you know, honestly, like, you almost, if you're trying to prepare for, like, you have to see something like mm-hmm. that, you know, just to, like, I've talked about, like, I don't know how I'd ever address any of these situations. <laughs> I'd have to have something prepare me for it. Yeah. You know, I guess. It's not going in and then getting that severe PTSD, I guess. Yeah. Well, well I'm sure you'll still get PTSD in general. One thing that I was going to ask, you know, going back to Bob Shell, uh, you having a picture of her on your binder. You know, these suicides that we've been talking about versus even involuntary manslaughter or murder, you know, does your mindset change of, you know, I'm doing this for the victim, like, in a suicide case of just trying to maybe more so give the family comfort and trying to do that, whereas if it's a murder, it's like, okay, now I'm trying to get this person, like, we have a goal here, we need to prove this. Justice. Justice, yes. Exactly. Justice. With suicide, it's, you know, you you're trying to work with the family and give them some kind of peace. Yeah. You know, because everybody's so ashamed of suicide. You know, there, there's something, and I don't, there's a, there's mental illness, obviously, mm-hmm. but there, there's so much depression in the world. Um, and people want to hide the fact that they have a loved one that commits suicide. And with me, you need to talk about it because yeah. you need to educate other people uh, what were the signs. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you missed them, help other people find them. Yeah. You know, um, to, and we all know somebody that's killed themselves. And you look back and, you know, did you see it coming? Did you not? The ones that you don't see, then you got to dig. And it's like, okay, how did we not see this coming? What was going on in their life? Was it just a financial crisis? Yeah. You know, were they cheating on their spouse or something like that? What was so bad that they felt like they had to end their own life? Wow. And, and some are just so 
traumatic. We pulled up on a, a call on the West End of Radford. The guy hung himself in a tree in the front yard. Oh, man. And so to make it worse, we cut him down. Carillion Rescue shows up. And their policy, which we did not know at the time, is they have to administer CPR for 15 minutes before they quit. Imagine being a family member, knowing this guy is dead. He's gone. Yeah, if they don't get him back within a couple minutes, man, he's gone. Ain't coming. Yeah. Fifteen minutes. This guy bigger than I was. Mm -hmm. You can imagine what was rolling and squishing around for fifteen minutes in the yard, and everybody's just standing around. So I go down, and first thing I do is, who's the family? Let's take a walk. (laughs) Let's walk away from the scene. Tell me about him. What what was he upset about? Get to talking. You know, I was, this guy was into drugs, and uh, it was a domestic situation. He knew he was going to jail, and he just knew. Uh, but you you can't let him sit there and watch that. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's just so many different things involved. Everybody just standing around watching. And there are three or four rescue guys taking turns, you know, just. Yeah. Good Lord, can you stop already? What like kind of can't. why is a, a like a like a rule fifteen minutes? I, I guess I would assume that they saved somebody in fifteen minutes, so they just stuck with that. I remember when my dad died, my brother and I started CPR on dad, and there was no doubt dad was dead. And so rescue shows up, and they are they take over. You know they throw their stuff everywhere and they're working and I'm like please stop yeah they're like we can't unless my mom said so yeah (laughs) and I'm like mom she's like I can't I was like mom you got to tell them quit because I mean it was Mm. probably that long wow I'm like Okay, this is ridiculous. It's almost prolonging the inevitable. Oh yeah, you know? God, that's like, more traumatic. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm just sitting there. Then me like, giving him CPRs, watching yeah. them pound on him for 15 minutes. It's like 99 percent knowing he's gone, but like maybe there's one percent of you that's just holding out hope through this entire experience. Because it's like it's not even really over yet. Because yeah. they have to go through here and continue to. In her mind, she's like, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. They're yeah. still working, so yeah, they yeah. wouldn't be working if they didn't it, think there was a chance. Yeah. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. Seriously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then when mom died, two years later, I was down there. Mm -hmm. And then they, God bless them, they take her sweet old time. I'm like, she's serious. Y'all got to come on. And then they, in the living room, they got her up up on the gurney. And she just, I watched her. I'm like, you need to check her. She's, I mean, check her now. And they're like, Oh, yeah, we don't have pulse. I'm like, so they roll her out to the ambulance, which they go down three steps around the driveway. And I'm like, start CPR. And they work her for 10 minutes at least. And they get her heart to beat. But mom is dead. Mm. So we have to make the decision four days later to unplug her at Roanoke Memorial. Because of all that. Mm-hmm. Now, if they'd have started immediately what she lived, I, I don't know. She had a much better chance than the mm-hmm. five minutes it took them to roll yeah. her down the hill. Yeah, yeah. 
And I bet that's just... Oh, it's awful. Yeah. I couldn't... Being angry. Yeah. Being so mad at that. That's... That makes me angry just thinking about it. I know. Yeah. Like, you didn't... You didn't put your best foot forward. Yeah. You know, to try. I mean, that's awful. Yeah. It's just... And people wonder why I'm just, like, numb to death. I'm like... Well, I got my reasons, you know. Yeah. I've seen some stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. when we talk about the Gina Renee Hall, and then uh, the story that sticks out to me most vividly is you at your truck and that whole experience. I think the lights were going off. Or the yeah, yeah or the lights, yeah. That right there, like, to me, that would be like almost viewing it as like someone's gone, but they're not really. They're not really they're gone. They're not really gone. They're yeah. just somewhere else. Yeah. You know, and you, don't, you just don't know where they are at that point. Yeah. yeah. You know, until they're ready to oh. show you. And then I talk to people that, you know, they don't believe there's anything after this life. And yeah. they don't believe in God. And I'm like, then you've never been touched by the other side. There's too, there's too much. There's too much. There's too much yeah. to, to me, I think there's too much, regardless of what you believe in, to think that nothing, there's nothing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the way I look at it. Yeah. And yeah. that's why we do this. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. we tell, like we tell people, like, it gets weird, you know, because yeah. there's... Yeah. There's the stuff that we just don't talk about, you know. I think a lot of people are just based on, like, you know, if you grew up in this area and you just went to church for 30 years and never had any reason to question what you believe in or anything, and then one day you have a paranormal experience, I'm sure that that changes your whole mindset yeah. mm-hmm. of what's going on around you. And it could right. just be the death of a loved one or something. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate you sharing the, those personal you know, yeah. tragic yeah. stories. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't imagine. I mean, God, you know, I cannot. One thing about the CPR, my grandma, she was a nurse in Radford. She went to mm-hmm. nursing school there in the fifties. And she's told me stories of when CPR first came around, she's like, you don't understand how many people died when we first started doing CPR. So much to the point where we were like, this is never going to work. Yeah. No one's ever going to survive CPR. Everyone dies. Mm-hmm. And she said the first time that they saved someone's life, she was like, we were hooping and hollering and <laughs> cheering. Like, we did it. Yeah. We, we actually did it. We saved someone's life. And from there, she said they just they just got better at it, you know? Yeah. Because <clears throat> she would say back in that time, if you came in there, they would look at you and be like, you got like three days. Because there was nothing they could nothing do for you. Did. If you had a heart attack or something like that, Yeah, that was just it. When did CPR become a thing, and who like created that? I think it came around in the late 50s, maybe in the 60s or so. Yeah. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know who created it, but yeah. you think about it, like that's wild. That is wild. To think, just up to a certain and Look point. at it now. It's just, just do chest compressions. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. I they remember, get enough air. Yeah, I remember you blowing their mouth, do that, and then they went away with blowing in the mouth and just it, do that. They figured you get enough air through the chest compressions that you really don't have to blow in the mouth. Gotcha. gotcha. It's more important to, for the heart to beat. Yeah. And like a, the ah, 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 ah. Yeah. 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 Man, that's crazy. That is wild. I know. This is a very effed up conversation (laughs) (laughs) but you know like that's the gritty reality of it you know there's so much of just no talk of death because of how uncomfortable it is people don't want to talk about it that's the thing people don't want to talk about suicide yeah and and that's you know one of the points for kind of me mentioning to you is people need to talk about suicide they need to talk about it with their kids because and I'm a perfect example of like me having trouble listening to it the, the slitting the wrist whatever but even though I'm having trouble with it, I think it's important people should know 
people should oh, talk yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the last episode. You know, I've been, I've this twenty five was a really, really rough year for me. I think, honestly, one of the worst years of my life, just mentally. And I got medicated, and like I tell people now, like I'm criminally happy. <laughs> you know, I'm so happy that. It's just it feels wrong in ways, you know, just being able to view things from a different light and being at like my lowest lows and my darkest times, you know, like no one should ever feel like that or even get to the point. I mean, I say I was in like my lowest of lows, but through some of the stories you've told us, it just gets so much darker, mm-hmm. especially with the things, some of the things people are willing to do to themselves just to die. Right. You know, that's that's hard concept to grasp. And and what got them to that point? Yeah. You know, I, I saw a little, like a little sign one time that says the shadow is not the message. And I've thought about that so many times. People focus on the darkness instead of trying to find the light. Yeah. And that's what friends and family should be, you know, is finding that dude that just don't, he ain't been right, you know, or that yeah. girl that, you know, my friend, uh, you know, I, I think I told you in one of the episodes about my son's buddy yeah yeah and just i hadn't heard from him for a while you know mm-hmm. if, if people have those people in their lives that they're not acting right or they seem different or they act different or they got the black circles around their eyes yeah ask them yeah yeah you know yeah you know if, all, if, if the conversation needs, is dark know? it's like you haven't thought about hurting yourself have you yeah. people like oh, i can't ask that why yeah no You'll never know unless you ask because it's such a, it's already such an uncomfortable topic that as soon as you ask, it's only going to get more uncomfortable. So you just have to be. It's it's too personal. I'm like, I'm looking out for my friend, my loved one. I care about this person. (laughs) You know, like I. You got to get to the point. Yeah. You have to. Nobody ever wants to be at the. You know, you're always going to regret if you never ask Mm -hmm. and something happens. I mean, you don't want to ask, but I mean. Sometimes you have to ask. Yeah. But have you ever known somebody that killed themselves? Is a question we can ask each other or tried and thought, I'm not surprised. Yeah. If so, that's a terrible feeling. Yeah, yeah. For them to wear that on their sleeve and they'll be able to be able to stop it. Especially yeah. if you can if you can tell yourself like, Wow, that's not surprising. Well then obviously you knew something. You didn't was wrong. do anything yeah. to help it. Yeah. 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 That's so scary. Because how many people are walking around? like that right now you know or the the surprise deaths too is yeah have you had anything where it's been like wow because you like we've talked about the scene has to make sense have you ever showed up anywhere and you've been like wow this really makes no sense this person's living a great life and they're presumed to be happy a lot of people talk about that with chester bensington yeah yeah just things were so great the singer blink 182 when Mm -hmm. he killed himself everyone's like this makes no sense. Like just a couple days ago, there was this picture with his family and everybody was happy mm-hmm. and then he died. You know, so I was just wondering if you've had anything like that and kind of how does that change the process of, oh, well, through an autoerotic asphyxiation, you got this. But now this seems like it's a completely blank canvas and you really have to paint the picture. Yeah, I've had some that really didn't make sense. There's probably one that still kind of bothers me a little bit. Just... I'm not sure about it. There was one. There was one kid um, that you know we were. I was like, "There's no way he shot himself in the back of the head, supposedly with 22 rifle." I'm like, "Nope." Wow. Uh-uh. Nope. 
And then we checked his history, and he had a uh, he had some of the, the wall trim, the decorative trim, along like three foot up, and he had figured out that if you shoot that that stem, that spinal cord, mm-hmm. right in your the, the soft spot in your neck, that that's the quickest way to die. And there were pictures and everything, and he had put the put the gun against that and put his thumb around wow. no other fingerprints on the gun wow it was i'm just like there's no way he did this to himself none oh, until we had to do a lot of research went to the autopsy fingerprinted the gun i'm like okay i believe it now but, but why goes through such a complex way to kill yourself i guess because you can't see it coming yeah a lot of people don't want to shoot yourself here yeah. because they can see it with him, it's just once you get the gun in place, it's just your thumb and boom. Yeah. It's, it's just, just you and the willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. I know, man. I was just like, that but, would be what would bother me the most. Is yeah. just how did you even get to this point? Right? How did you even pull the trigger? Like, if even if you got the gun up on the trim, back of your head, or in, in any of these scenarios mm-hmm. of being like, now, now's the time. You know, that's yeah, that's rough. Yeah. What was when did you, I guess, maybe start getting numb? I mean, you had your experiences when you were younger paranormally, but when you first got into maybe like your first suicide or your first death, maybe somebody was drunk driving or something just along those lines, how has that, how's that changed from, say, the beginning of your career to the middle to, of your career to the ending of your career, just how you address each of these murders, suicides, anything like that? Yeah, I... You know, I can't think of any that ever bothered me, which is so sad to say. Hmm. You know, uh, it tells a lot about maybe some experiences you had. Yeah, you know, I think it's just that's what I was supposed to do in life, and so, you know, I've never, I've been fortunate, I've never closed my eyes and seen one of those scenes. Yeah, I've never dreamed about any of them. Wow, I always felt like. I think in my mind, I always felt like I knew where they went. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I knew that that wasn't the end for them. I just had to help figure out what happened to them. Yeah. The only ones that, you know, I felt bad for were like the kids that I worked. Yeah. I felt bad for them. But even some of those, um, I felt were better off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Felt, yeah. Because of the, the situation they were in. They were in on just, earth, yeah. Yeah. I felt they it was a better place for them to be on the other side. Um, Especially if they had no access to help or mm-hmm. anything like that. I mean, yeah, not caring families. Yeah, well, it's know. like I'm sure that that's got to weigh a little heavy on you because I'm sure you know, as a police officer or detective, you want to help somebody. You never want to see them kill themselves, but right. if you never know something's wrong, now you have to come in and do what they didn't get the help for. You know, you have to do the other part of it. The, yeah. the, the bad side, yeah. you know, of what happens. I also think that made me a better instructor for those that investigated. Yeah. Having that different mindset than most of them. But, I, I, you know, I did fail some by not looking out for my own people's mental health when I had them work some of those scenes with me. For a long time, I always felt like it doesn't bother me, so it probably didn't bother them. Yeah. I, I learned later on that I was wrong yeah that it disturbed 
a lot of them and I should have you know kind of required them to to talk to somebody after those scenes and just because I'm screwed up in the head doesn't <laughs> I don't think that makes you like a bad person or anything like no, that though I, if anything, I just, a good leader would have insisted that they go and just empty that bucket you know yeah, what I mean uh, yeah I, I guess more so what I'm saying is I could just see is how I could walk into a situation maybe because I'm more extroverted of a person I could see myself going into a a, a, a ton of people or whatever and being comfortable say an introverted person going out and being more uncomfortable I wouldn't think anything of it because I'm fine you know, I'm okay. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what's wrong? What's the right. problem? You know, it's their job. Yeah, and yeah. you being a leader, they're yeah. gonna follow you, especially if you're not, you're not disturbed or you know, trying to be like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, you're willing to go into it head on. I can see somebody being like, well, you know, if he can do it, then I can. You know, that's sort of sort of that vibe. But also to see that people can, because <clears throat> I feel like that's how you have to be mm-hmm. to go into a situation and be like kind of ignore the body until you get to the body you know like I feel like that's just a great skill to have as maybe as messed up as that sounds I would think know? so yeah you know I would think so too yeah it's so, like Louisa Cutting I mean that was a prime example yeah. there were a couple of those guys that that I did pull aside and say how do you feel about that yeah. that was pretty messed up it's like yeah. well I'll tell you I'm going to set somebody up for you to talk to I want you to go talk to them and if y'all talk about football and baseball and whatever that's fine but you're going to have a conversation they're like yeah okay I mean open up the door and it's right she's right there yeah I mean, yeah. yeah there's no preparation yeah <laughs> right and her and that it's so dis- it's just disturbing what happened to her stabbed yeah. over a hundred times you know and then a knife left in your mouth like I couldn't imagine no. walking into that and being like wow but like you, I think we've we've heard before, being able to compose yourselves in those situations, you mm-hmm. know, and say, "All right, like this is this is awful," especially when you talk about kids and stuff. But now we have to do what we're supposed to do. Yeah. yeah. Now it's just a shale. That's yeah. all that's mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So this was a very interesting, fascinating conversation. <laughs> Like, I never would have thought of all the details you you explained on how all this, you know, would transpire. It's very fascinating. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, I wanted to ask, since, you know, majority of the time when you're, when you're with us, you like to talk about paranormal stuff. Is there a paranormal story that you can leave off to kind of like, not in a lighthearted way, in the episode you know what I mean because what we just talked about was very dark and dark but do you have like something that would entertain the listeners the watchers of like something paranormal so um I'll tell you a uh, I don't know if I told you this Gina Hall paranormal story there's a bunch of them oh there's there's a there's more than that one oh yeah yeah okay yeah there's a bunch. So Gina uh, made some visits to the house. We uh, had conversations with the the flashlight a few times. Um, she actually, if she, if she or somebody from her side on the other side of the veil, mm-hmm. uh, I had a question for, her and it was uh, I was trying to decide who to interview next. 
whether it was Robin Robinson or Skipper or whoever, and I was, and I knew that her spirit was there. So there were times, uh, you know, we would discuss her having dinner. Every time her name would come up, the broom in the kitchen would fall over. Mm. Every time. It's like, well, Gina's here. So there was one night that that was really funny because we were downstairs and uh, upstairs is, uh, at the time it was my, it was Katie, my oldest daughter's mm-hmm. room, I think. And I had this awesome, it was Onkyo stereo system set up. Big speakers, nice uh, receiver. Back then it was tape deck and CD player. Mm-hmm. And we were having a conversation about Gina and we had we were getting ready to go to bed and from upstairs the stereo system came on full blast 80s music hell yeah <laughs> I didn't even know we could get 80s music yeah. on the radio wow because yeah. it wasn't serious or anything like yeah, that yeah and Whatever we were talking about that night, which it was something that was pretty important, that was a sign that night from Gina because it was cranked. Yeah. And she often communicated, and I don't know if this is light enough for you, but it's interesting because Mm -hmm. I know everybody's interested in Gina. Yeah. She talked to me through music a lot. Really? A lot. She liked to dance. She did like to dance. And uh, there's a song by Tim McGraw that kept coming on. And it was just like, every time I got in the car, so I have this Spotify playlist Mm -hmm. that has, I bet, 90 songs on it. And this thing would come on like every other time I got in the car. And I'm just like, wow. Well, it's freaking Tim McGraw. I can't stand Tim McGraw. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um... And then uh, Katie and Gina have the same birthday. Oh, really? Wow. August 24th. Oh, Man. my gosh. Oh, well, happy birthday, Katie. Right? Yeah. yeah. My youngest daughter, Madison, and Steve Epperly share the same name. Steve Madison. Yeah. Uh, so you never told me this. You're saying that this is fate, almost. Well, I'm that's saying there's some coincidences yeah, that are just... Uh, too coincidental. <laughs> There's, uh, there's a broomstick incident that you told me. I'll, I'll, we'll talk off air about it that uh, reminded me of that, but continue. <laughs> so um, I finally asked Katie, I'm like, I, you got to help me figure out what the song is. And so she printed off the lyrics, and it. I read it, and I was like, oh. And it's basically... Uh, a point in the case where I appreciate what you're doing for me. Uh, yeah, I wish I could think of the name of the song. You look it up. Um, but the, the gist of it was um, thank you for what you're doing. That's what. That's basically the lyrics yeah. of the song. And it's like that. She's saying thank you. And I'm like, she is. That's exactly what she's saying. Yeah. Early on in the case, uh, Mrs. Robinson came on all the time, Simon Garfunkel. 
Mm. Robin Robinson came on all the time. Yeah. And I ignored it. I'm like, wait a minute. That's Mrs. Robinson. Yeah. I know what that means. And so then I started really paying attention. And the songs, if if I would hear them often, I'd be like, okay, I got to look up the lyrics. It's wild, man. I mean, we... I guess. That yeah, that's... Good song. That's wild. So I tried... Uh, you know, we've talked about remote viewing before. Mm-hmm. So I, I spent a couple times trying to connect, really connect with her. And I am very confident that she died in the trunk of the car. In the trunk of the car. In the trunk of the car. Because I lose the connection spiritually with her in the trunk. And that's why I don't think she knows where she's at. That's deep. (laughs) I feel strongly that I'm right there. Yeah. That she died in the trunk. That's why the psychics have tried to connect with her. Where where are you at? Where are you at? All these theories come forward. She don't know where she's at. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense, I guess, Stephen Epperly taking her body somewhere... Was there blood? I can't remember exactly. Was there blood in the pat in the driver's side? Just in the trunk. Just, just a in little the trunk. bit. Okay. She was wrapped in the blanket. Mm-hmm. She remembers that. She remembers being placed in the trunk, mm-hmm. and that's when she died. Jesus. I'm speechless. Yeah, I'm trying to process it. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Oh, that's why I only give you little beats. Bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Let's show everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, every time you come on, it's it's my favorite, uh, my favorite episodes for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I'm anxious to hear the comments about, about this <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> I'm gonna promote the hell out of this. Y'all are messed oh, yeah. up, man. <laughs> you gotta be. I mean, yeah. you know, like it's kind of like we were talking about with the uh, the suicide and depression and stuff. Like, I think murders and things like I think if more people just understood that there are violent people out there there might be less violent people if we all just kind of recognize pay that attention. something's wrong with yes. somebody pay attention you know? man. Yeah. yeah yeah. people are just walking around with their head in the sand or in their phone and, communication you know, is the or best. they just think like oh nothing like that would ever happen blah 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 they give their reason as to why something like I know my mom sometimes she would say oh well you know just you wouldn't expect something like that to happen around here well, that's how it is everywhere. Yeah. Nobody ever expects anywhere like anything like that would happen, but it always tends to happen there. And doing know? this podcast, it makes us realize more, like, say, around here. Yes. Like when we do, like, the local stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's stuff that I've learned, like, you know, my dad was born in this area in 1960, you know, and he's been here his whole life. And there's stuff that, that we've talked about that he didn't even know happened, you know. And you got to think, that's crazy to live in an area and it's either just so hush hush or just because there's not social media during the time it's not widespread or not everyone knows about it or just any number of things well in a college town we never publicize suicides yeah but there are I remember you telling me that a lot of suicides every year wow. in colleges yeah. they get a lot of overdoses we never publish those we publish homicides and rapes and stuff like that we don't have to disclose people kill themselves or overdose. 
Yeah. Do you think that's kind of crime? Do you think it's kind of so because people want to know about the crimes more we than the suicide? To. Yeah. Well, we're required to. Okay. Because it's a threat to the community. A suicide okay. is. Okay. Gotcha. An overdose yeah. is. I see. I see that point. Gotcha. Yeah. And you know the university's not going to say anything. Yeah. Because it makes them look bad if they're yeah. a college kid. Right. Yeah. There's a lot more than people have any idea about. Wasn't there a kid in Radford who got arrested and then he overdosed in holding? Or well, in that yeah, the jail? He was actually, he'd actually been to jail for like 24 hours and somehow, I, had, I don't know what he must have had in his system. Yeah. To where I, it would stay that long and then him die. Because I, I remember that. I remember it wasn't more so that he died, it was just more so the circumstances yeah. of like how he, how did this happen? Yeah, he'd been in there like twenty four hours. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the university police arrested him. Yeah. For like drunk in public or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's just, you know, obviously Radford doesn't want to publicize that. No. You know? right, right. But when you have something as crazy as that, somebody's gonna get a hold of it. And I had people from university not want me to mention that Gina was an RU student. Really? Yeah. And that he had worked on campus. It stigmatizes the university. Can you not mention that? People, like, are, people are so fucked. I'm like, <laughs> shut your face. Yeah. 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 For real. It is yeah. true. Well, it's like those are the people who walk around with their head in the sand. These That's are right. people's lives. If you just don't address it, then it's not a problem. Right. But you have all these kids on campus that it's I don't care what position you're in from like the president of the, the college like to me it is your duty no matter what to have this the safest place for these kids on campus mm-hmm. you know that's that's what I think like it should be protection all the way around like at Virginia Tech you know like I had to take a uh, like a safety sort of thing for shootings and there was like a 10 minute 911 call from the librarian at Columbine. I had that call. Yeah, and just them, her talking and everything, and... She basically uh, got him killed. Yeah, and let me tell you, I was very um, taken aback by that. I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked. Because she didn't know any better. Yeah. That's the And that's what they were saying. Mm -hmm. She was telling to hide on the tables, which he came in there and killed just about all of them on that call. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so... Tough. It is, yeah. Communication's uh, key. That's for real. That's the takeaway of this episode. And it's easier, like. and I always say it's easy in hindsight, right? Like, we could look back in 1999 mm-hmm. and look at Columbine and be like, wow, they didn't do all these things, or these kids had all this. Well, yeah, you know? Like, it's really easy when we have a very large amount of school shootings every year, yeah. you know, to now look at all of these. I mean, even with the major... Stoneman Douglas School, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Nicholas Cruz, he's on trial right now. You yeah. know, and when you, like, he killed all those kids in that school, walked down to the McDonald's and sat next to the brother of one of the kids that he killed. Oh my god! You know, like that is insane. It you is. Know, that's the yeah. messed up, like, evil people that we just have walking around. Just imagine the brothers' like mindset now. Yeah. After yeah. Yeah. Found I mean, out. he's given some interviews too, just being like. I, you just didn't know, you know. Yeah. You just didn't know. It's crazy, man. Hmm. Well, I guess we'll we'll end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy, thank you again for being on. It was a it was a joy, and I'm sure everybody's gonna love this one as they did, you know, the previous ones. Uh, Josh, thanks for finally meeting Andy, sitting there and talking <laughs> to him. Being in the studio. I'm here, yeah. <laughs> here, I'm uh, the. The suicide prevention 
And Crisis Lifeline oh, is 988. That's the number. Um, or maybe it did just change to yeah it's it 988 uh, it's SMS and call so if anyone out there is struggling you know like we've talked about just don't be afraid to get help there's help out there people even people who don't know you want you to get help yeah, you know, like, yeah. there's nobody who wants you to struggle so you know put your best foot forward everybody yep. involved if you know somebody family friends even a coworker, you know, mm-hmm. just everybody needs to try to look out for everybody. Yeah, you know, especially nowadays. So. Yeah, thanks for including right that for sure. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and watching. Um, if you like the show, rate and review, subscribe, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Uh, follow the Facebook group page as you'll get exclusive content, updates of what we're doing. This and that. Part of the cult. Yeah, part Baby. of the cult. Yeah, that's all it is. The it's good cult. cult. 676 yeah. strong. <laughs> we're, we're bigger here. than Manson ever wished he could have been. <laughs> but in a very positive, right. good way. Oh, yeah. We're, good. we're the good ones. Mom doesn't like when I say cult. That's why I always say it on. Yeah. Sorry, Justin. Mom. Yeah. My bad. Well... What's, what's the hotline? Oh, yeah. The hotline, if you want to call the hotline into suggestions... um. If you want to, you know, ask Andy something, yeah. you could text, leave a voicemail with the Cryptic Hotline, 540-358-1583. Yeah. Um, I guess that's it. And lastly, watch your back. It's cryptic out there.